0: hello how's it going hey we're back on our show wait were we off our show
1: <laughs> yeah um we were on some other show about yes music it was some sort of podcast but yeah so yeah, again, thanks again to Kevin and to Mark. You know, that was a fun thing to collaborate on fl- last week for April Fool's Day. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, when the four of us can like do something together uh, in the near future. Now yeah. I'm
0: even more confused. There was an April Fool's show. <laughs> How many of you caught that and joined the conversation in the comments? Steve's going to be monitoring the comments both on our Yes Shift page and the Drum Talk TV page. We figure since I'm the executive producer, host of Drum Talk TV, we just blast this out to both channels. But today is a young man's very special birthday. Steve, Howe is 75 today? Wow.
1: Yeah, for a moment, it sounded like you were asking me a question. You're like, Steve, how is 75 <laughs> today? And it's like, I don't know, does the number have feelings? But yeah, yeah, it's a very... A huge birthday, yeah, like three, yeah, it's a huge, well, you know, 75 is just so symbolic. It's that uh, another quarter century. Yeah. Yeah, what a career Steve Howe has had. And we figured since we're going through uh, Yes Members' first solo album since joining the band, it'd be fitting to talk about his first album, which happened to come out in 75, you know. Um, So this is titled Beginnings, uh, not to be confused with Trevor Rabin's
0: first solo album, Beginnings. (laughs) Yeah, what's up with that? What's with (laughs) these guys? They're always doing that, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I think Trevor's was initially titled Beginnings, and then in a different region, it was just released as Trevor Rabin. But yeah, Um, and I guess we should give some context for... The time period that this came out.
0: 1975, coincidentally. Steve Howe was 75 years old today as we're doing this April 8th. And it came out in 75. A great year for music releases by some really big bands.
1: Yeah. So in terms of what Yes were up to, the previous year they'd done Relayer. And this was also a huge turning point in Prague. You know, a bunch of them had been well-established and put out the stuff that's generally considered like the classics, you know, the big milestones, the the canon, if you will. Yeah. Um, But then in 74, you also have ELP going on hiatus and King Crimson disbanding for a time. Um, And funny enough, I'm actually in the middle of reading Steve Howe's autobiography, All My Yesterdays, and I knew that Vangelis was considered for Yes, uh, apparently, he even rehearsed with them, but he uh, they had like different ideas like he wasn't into like using the same musical idea more than once, and they wanted to play things the same way or whatever. But one thing I don't think I knew was that Steve Howe also called Keith Emerson and tried getting him to join the band at this time
0: yeah i read I read if I could touch on that not that long ago, an article that included Keith talking about that it might have even been a video. And he was sort of insulted, but when he was explaining this, I think it was a video. He was explaining this. He didn't seem miffed, but his words were like, I already have a band. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. That's I, what he said. <laughs> and my name is on the band. Like, why would you ask me to, you know, cause back then there wasn't all this cross pollination with people like, Phil Collins playing with a ton of people, Mike Portnoy being in five bands and, you know, all that kind of thing. It was very, everyone was in their corner, basically.
1: Yeah, and it was also funny because years earlier, Steve Howe had auditioned for The Nice, which was Emerson's band that he was in, and Atomic Rooster, which Carl Palmer was in. Right. Um, And uh, apparently uh, Jethro Tull was also like, You know, they considered him, but he didn't like that. They said writing is not a requirement. You know, Steve wanted more input on the creative side, which is very understandable.
0: Yeah. And it's also Um, why I think Keith probably never would have worked out with yes, because he was just so much more of a dominant composer. I, I mean, I'm hypothesizing, obviously, but working with five people is quite a bit different than three people when you have so many different ideas and everybody's a composer, lyricist and all that.
1: So they put out Relayer and then in 75. um, So what's also going on, Rick Wakeman, you know, is up to King Arthur at this point. Yes. Finished their North American tour in Jersey city, July 25th. And then they do a show in reading in the UK on August
0: 23rd for the, Relayer album, correct?
1: Yeah. And around that time, Peter Gabriel's departure from Genesis is announced on August 15th. Wait a minute.
0: Peter Gabriel's not in Genesis anymore?
1: (laughs) I know. Shocker. And Pink Floyd's (laughs) Wish You Were Here came out in September. You you know, it's really bizarre, like, reading all this and, like, thinking about how, like, you know, recently Genesis finished their last Domino tour, a very clever tour title, in my opinion. Yeah, Um, and I I read somewhere that apparently Peter Gabriel might have watched the show but not been on stage, and also Pink Floyd like just put out a song, you know, in light of recent events. So it's just strange to think of how all these musicians like still all these years later have still had this staying presence doing all these things. Well,
0: not just that, but you know, let's just elaborate on that a little bit with the Genesis thing. There were people miffed that Peter Gabriel and Steve Hackett weren't there. Like where the fuck have these people been for the last 30, (laughs) whatever years that those two guys have not had anything to do with the band. Then you move over to Pink Floyd and I just read this morning, they put out this new single. It's like the first new music in 28 years or something like that to to raise yeah. uh, money for what's going on in Ukraine, which is a beautiful thing. But then there's people saying, no Roger Waters, no Pink Floyd. And then there are people saying, there's no Sid Barrett. Like, first of all, Sid Barrett and Rick Wright are gone. And people are saying that because Roger, Sid and Richard are not in the band anymore, they've been out of the band for collectively a <laughs> hundred years. For a hundred... Yeah. It's like, where have these people been? Like, I wore a Pink Floyd shirt shopping the other day and this guy said to me I remember Pink Floyd and I'm thinking they're kind of still around idiot I mean they're not putting out a bunch of new music right now but they're still relevant they it doesn't seem like maybe that's not fair of me cuz it doesn't seem that long ago that they actually were doing stuff but yeah like
1: they put out The Division Bell in the 90s and then they released Endless River in 2014 which they'd recorded in the 90s as a tribute to and Richard Wright that's only White 8 years time. ago
0: you know, yeah. this guy made it sound like he went out of style with Fred Flintstone's car or something.
1: Yeah, like, like just, the musicians have been performing Pink Floyd music separately. Like, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's <laughs> sorry just, about the tangent, yeah.
0: but you brought that up and it reminded me of that story. And, you know, like, anyways, continue as you were. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so all this stuff is going on in 75 and then we get uh Steve Howe's Beginnings which uh, apparently came out October 31st, 1975. Where um,
0: where do you know Steve off the top of your head where that ranks chronologically of who put out solo albums first once they put out a solo album after joining Yes?
1: Yeah, so it's the third, you know, it's after Six Wives and Two Sides of Pure Banks. But in terms okay. of the members at the time, like this was the first one that came out. Okay. Um, Fish Out of Water came out like a week later, it seems. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I'll just read a few comments real quick. Uh, yes, Dylan please. Kim Park says, blessed birthday. Brian Cahoon says, gents, smiley face, easy on Nice. It, it was an awesome time to be alive, and Tyler Anderson says happy freaking birthday. So yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, Thanks, guys. Yeah. So yeah, beginnings. Um, just looking at the doc we have here. So uh, how should we read off the names of the tracks yeah. on here, or should yeah. I?
0: Let's okay. let's read off the you read off the tracks, and then I'll read off who played on it on the album.
1: Okay. So. There are nine tracks total. We've got Doors of Sleep, Australia, The Nature of the Sea, Lost Symphony, Beginnings, Will-O-Wisp, Ram, Pleasure Still the Night, and Break Away from It All.
0: And sorry, I forgot to turn my email off, so it's chiming in once in a while. apologize, folks. Just pretend the muffins are ready.
1: Yeah, people emailing uh, happy birthday wishes for Steve Howe.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the track list, and we'll talk about that album a lot i'm gonna look over here to my notes because i don't remember everybody uh that played on it and i won't give a uh, track by track but basically um steve howe is on this um on electric and acoustic guitars bass plays great bass by the way bass lap steel mandolin banjo moog synthesizer organ washboard and vocals uh graham taylor guitar Malcolm Bennett, bass and flute, Colin Gibson, bass, Chris Lawrence, bass, and double strings, guitar. Patrick Moraz, who was also in the Nice, just kidding, plays <laughs> piano, grand piano, harpsichord, and mellotron. Bud Beetle, alto and baritone, saxophone, McEve, tenor saxophone, Patrick Helling, William Reed, both play violin, John Meek, viola, Peter Haling also plays cello, James Gregory, piccolo flute, Sidney Setcliffe, oboe, Gwen Brook bassoon. Those are two of my favorite reed instruments. I love oboe and bassoon. Alan White, who you may remember from Joe Cocker and John Lennon. Uh, I don't know where Steve dug him up. plays drums (laughs) on four tracks. David Oberle plays drums and sounds like, well, I'll get to that in a second. (laughs) And Bill Bruford plays drums on a couple tracks and percussion on one that he also plays drums on. So David Oberly um, plays drums (coughs) on, uh, let me look up the track name. Yeah. It's the third Third one,
1: which is the nature of the sea.
0: I, it sounds not only just like Alan, but like he's playing on Alan's drums, which very well could have been the case. Um, I had to look up the credit because I thought, I don't remember if this is Alan playing on that, but it sounds like him. And then I looked it up and it was David Overly. So I thought I could just picture Steve showing his buddy, you know, yeah, so this is where we're recording the album, you know. In fact, uh, I have this idea, do you feel like tracking some drums? Alan's kit is set up and it's mic'd. You know, it sounds that much like his drums (laughs) and he sounds a lot like his playing, which is really cool. Um, can I make a general comment about personnel on all these Yes solo albums? Sure. I find it really interesting that Rick Wakeman, Steve Howe, Chris Squire, Alan, whom I forget, maybe Patrick. Well, Patrick and Bill did that are the but they have guests from Yes, and that makes it to me less of a solo album. Fast forward all these years later, when we look at eh, that lineup's really no more removed from a less a yes lineup than the current lineup or the last three or four lineups for that matter. So it's kind of interesting um that they didn't reach farther out. Like like really, Steve, you couldn't get other drummers, you know, besides Alan and Bill for all those songs. And I I think it's cool that he used them, but. I find it interesting that I don't think that happens today. Maybe it does here and there, but you know, you don't have um, Nick Mason playing drums on all of David Gilmour solo stuff. You know, I, I just find it weird. Don't you, am I alone here? Hello? Is this thing on? <laughs> I mean, it
1: doesn't feel weird to me because look, the music world is all about networking, right? So If one is making a solo album and they want dependable people, then naturally they'll invite people they have a good rapport with. Yeah.
0: But, but if, if it's a solo album and it's your own material and then you're having guys, not girls in this case, guys coming from the band that you broke away from to do the solo project and you got two or three guys from that band on your solo album, How did that song not work as a yes? I don't know. I, I just expected long before right now, decades ago when I first got this and I looked at who's on it, I thought, huh. Oh, huh. Oh, Patrick Moraz too. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with Chris's album with Patrick and, and Bill. I, I just find it interesting.
1: Yeah, and Steve actually also wanted to invite another uh, bandmate. In this case, someone from one of his pre-Yes bands, Bodast. It was a guitarist and vocalist named Clive Skinner. And it says here in All My Yesterdays, you know, his autobiography, that he imagined Clive would sing all the vocals, but oh. for, for whatever reason, like they weren't able to get him and so Steve decided to do all the vocals and um, unfortunately Clive passed away a few years after this but oh. it, it was something that uh, I guess Steve thought would be a it would have been a nice idea to have Clive do the vocals and um and uh, on that note I think that people are a bit too harsh on Steve singing lead here like I'll admit that there are moments where I need to really listen to know what he's singing, like what the words are. Otherwise I'll need the lyrics in front of me, but I don't think he's a bad singer. I think he sings pretty well. You know, you hear the emotion in it and that's what really matters.
0: What I like about it is um, his voice fits the music perfectly. The opening track is a great opening track for the album, first of all. Um, But it's also like, up to that point, if you listen to Yes Music since Steve joined the band, you're used to hearing that layer in the chorale of Yes Voices. Now we're hearing it extracted on its own, and it's quite interesting. His voice sounds as earthy and organic as the rest of the music on the album. So I, I never knew that fact. That's interesting. And I his voice, you either like it or you don't, there's no in-between. and a lot of people don't. I happen to like it, and listening to this album to brush up on it, because I haven't heard it in a very long time, really brought back some memories of when I first first heard it. Like, I thought I smelled weed in here for a moment, but, <laughs> but there's nothing like that going on here. And I have to be honest, I open this up, the older folks will get this. And I, I looked in the crease to see if there were any remnants of anything, and there are not, but... <laughs> But but really, it brought back some really neat memories, and, and I was very impressed with the musicality of it. There's a lot of really neat stuff on this album. If you're not familiar with it, it's worth getting, for sure. It's a great album, I think.
1: Yeah, it's been several years since the last time I listened to it, and so brushing up for it for this show, I was kind of surprised that it was more adventurous than... I remembered, like Me too. right, like right from the start. Um, you, you know, doors of sleep. It sets the tone. Um, I'm not sure who the voices are at the beginning of that song. Like, I, th- I kind of think it's Dylan. Okay, yeah, I thought it might be him as yeah, well, but I couldn't. I couldn't find was a little anything. Boy right, he for would have been. you're not familiar, yeah, he would have been like six at this time. So possibly, yeah. Um, Australia feels like. Bits of it remind me of mood for a day. I don't know if you felt that way yes. as well. Yes. Okay. Uh, the nature of the sea is very, it has lots of different twists and turns. Like it'll be like, do, 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 do. and then like later on, I'll suddenly feel like I'm in Italy listening to like more calm, relaxing yeah. music. Like it takes you in very different places.
0: I um, love the guitar solo in. Uh, Australia, it's very quirky and animated. I love that. Um, also, the song, uh, is it Beginnings or, no, Willow wisp That starts out, it sounds like the very beginning of Roundabout. Yeah, that, that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love, at first, I had to look at the laptop to see if maybe it changed to uh, some other playlist or something.
1: Right. Yeah. It was, you know, it's just like when we heard that part on that one song on Peter Banks, it's a lot, but we we're like, wait, it sounds kind of like Roundup. Yeah. Like it just keeps coming back. I guess we can't escape
0: it. That's funny. Uh,
1: yeah. And, uh, I, I feel like, um, you know, Lost Symphony is really good as well, but yeah. I, f- I feel like beginnings sounds more symphonic to my ears. Like yeah. M- it more technically
0: is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, and Steve does compliment uh, Patrick in his book on how, like, if, the work that he did for Beginnings and stuff. Um, and Ram, of course, you know, it's very... That's probably the one that's most familiar to me. Like, that and Beginnings, I remember from the Yes Years video, and they have Pleasure that s- Stole the Night. It's pretty good. Um, break away from it all... It's good, but I kind of feel like it's kind of an abrupt end to the album. I don't know if that's just me though.
0: I I agree. What would you have chosen to be, uh, the last song if you could change that?
1: (laughs) I know you were gonna ask me that. Um, uh, I feel like maybe either the nature of the sea or lost symphony.
0: I was going to say Nature of the Sea or Willow the Wisp. Um, mm. Pleasure Stole the Night would be cool, but it's too short. That, again, would be abrupt in a different way because it's just so so short. But but the set list is good the way it is. Do you know why Ram is called Ram, Steve? I'm not really sure. So his birthday is today. Right. My birthday was this past Saturday, April 2nd. What do we have in common? uh, April birthdays. Right. And we share the same astrological sign, which is Aries.
1: Oh, is the Ram connected to that? Yes. Yep.
0: The Ram is the sign of the Aries.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not sure if that was intentional or not. Cause it, you know, I've heard that I'm not sure if he's really into astrology, but I don't, I don't know, maybe. think
0: he, I'm not, but I know that the Ram is, do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm okay. guessing that had something to do with it. Right, yeah. I mean, it'd be weird if it was called Aquarius or <laughs> Virgo, right?
1: <laughs> right, yeah.
0: So um, do you have a, a couple of favorite tracks you want to point out? I think you kind of did, right?
1: Yeah, my My favorite out of all of them is probably Nature of the Sea because, again, it takes very different turns, so it ha- feels like it has a lot packed into it.
0: Yeah. For me, it's that and... God, I love Doors of Sleep and Australia. So either one of those would be my my second. But right. oh. I, I love beginnings. I love the orchestration. And back when this came it's out. It's a very
1: beautiful song, yeah. It is.
0: And, and when this came out, I was heavily into Baroque music and, and classical music, Brahms and Tchaikovsky, all that stuff. And I played in orchestra in school. And so I loved that. It was great. And like I said, I love oboe. I love bassoon. Yeah, And um, because it looked like a bong, I mean, a water (laughs) pipe. No, I'm kidding. That's not why I I really love those instruments.
1: Right. So I'll read a few more comments. Yeah. yeah. Mark Cole says, who wouldn't invite Bill and Patrick?
0: (laughs) Well, that's a great point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Brian Cahoon says seeds and dust. Uh, I'm not sure what that's in reference to. Maybe it's when you opened the album or something. No, I don't that, know.
0: that's, um, that's on the, um, the, the re-release has a couple extra tracks and that's one that Francis Monkman plays on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah Michael, Brian, tell us what that is.
1: Yeah. Michael Morgan Lander says happy birthday. Laurie Simone says, "Happy birthday, Steve! Hope to see him out soon. Sing yes thirteen times. I need to make another show to make it fourteen. A charm." Nice. Um Yeah. And Brian says, "Not How your early? normal." Wait, I'm sorry. Steve, How early?
0: Steve. Tell us the first show you saw. And everybody right, yeah. could chime in on that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Steve.
1: And Brian Cahoon mentioned a water bassoon and Benny Herbert's. Or sorry. Benny
0: Herbst says, happy birthday. <laughs> Water bassoon. You know what he's referencing, right? Um, my bong comment.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, I have a couple highlights I want to read from what Steve says about the album and his autobiography.
0: Okay. And while uh, you do that, I'm having a little medical thing I need to take care of.
1: Oh, okay. Because of my yeah.
0: diabetes. So go ahead. Folks, I'm going to leave you with Stephen, who's the producer of the show and the host. I'm just the, well, not even the arm candy. I'm the, you br- know, I'm not the brains. Why am I here again? Well, I'll be back. I'll be right back.
1: Right. Yeah. So here, Steve has this short chapter where he talks about beginnings. And it's kind of surprising that's short, but maybe not because he has such a long career and has to fit all of it into this book. But yeah. I'm almost halfway through this book. Maybe I'll finish it later today. Uh, but yeah, um, I got up to the drama and disbanding portion of it. But anyway, in this uh, chapter on beginnings, it's chapter nine. And so what Steve says is, um, oh, here it is. Uh, so he says, many of the tracks began by recording a decent rhythm guitar live with Alan White or Bill Bruford on drums when we'd play through the whole arrangement. Conversely, Lost Symphony was played live in the studio with everyone, as was Beginnings and The Nature of the Sea. Ram was built up from a click track and featured my first banjo part. Actually, it was a banjo guitar, strung-tuned and played the same as a guitar. So, yeah, that's a bit about the making of it. And he says that, I have to say that Patrick Mraz performed miracles in orchestrating beginnings and playing harpsichord on the album's title track. He also conducted the orchestra and played some great keyboards on other tracks too, notably the Mellotron on Will-O-Wisp, one of three tracks to have lyrics written by my wife, Jan. Um, And, uh, okay, so you're back. (laughs) Sorry about
0: that. Yeah, I'm diabetic, folks, and sometimes stuff just comes up unexpectedly I had to take care of. Sorry. Right, but you just start over. What did I miss?
1: No. <laughs> uh, you're, you're just in time for the um, Eddie offered uh, story that oh, is in yeah. here. So, um, uh, he, Steve says later on, I produce all my own solo albums, but since Eddie was on board to co produce and engineer, I tried to make the best of the collaboration. An element of fun came with working with him. One afternoon, he burst into the downstairs studio and did a cartwheel across the room, dropped into a chair, opened his bag, and produced a bottle of whiskey and a duck call. He took a swig from the bottle, blew the duck call, and just said hello.
0: (laughs) I never heard that.
1: Yeah, Brian. I can picture that, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Brian Cahoon says the water bassoon again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I gotta and, try that on a Drum Talk TV tomorrow when I do my live. I'm gonna try that. Jeez, I, I just gotta run out and get the whiskey.
1: <laughs> uh, Ka- Kathy Amber Amberwing says happy birthday. My birthday is Sunday. Yeah, yeah happy birthday. Happy to birthday. You, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, do you want to talk about the promo video, which yeah. includes the songs "Ram," "Break Away from It All," and
0: "Beginnings"? Yes, and the only. Uh, reason we're not going to show that is because it has the official tracks and then the, it'll get muted and right. all of that. But um, the when they show, when Ram, when the video for Ram, when I first saw that, like I knew the music audio wise, but in the video and we'll explain the video, but it just kept coming. Like there's another Steve and yet another, what else? Oh yeah. That instrument too. Um, And it's great because it starts out with Steve playing guitar. And then they add another Steve up here when the other instrument comes in. And then the banjo, then the this, then the that, then the washboard. And it's a bunch of Steves. And it's done really well, especially uh, given the time, 1975. It's pretty cool. I love that.
1: Yeah, it's like this is the real Steve Howe band. Like I know people say like. You know, yes is just a Steve Howe band, but no, they're wrong. This with literally five different Steve Howes is a Steve Howe band.
0: And Steve, what's the what's the clip in there in that promo that shows that crowd of people? Right away, I thought of the end of "Owner of a Lonely Heart." Yes. video,
1: right. Yeah, that was break away from it all. Yeah, I had that thought too when Steve is in the crowd. It's like, wow, this is just like the beginning and end of the "Owner of a Lonely Heart" video with the guy. A,
0: did they plan that owner of the? The nine zero one two five. Yes, do you think? Did anyone say, "Hey, didn't Steve? Maybe we shouldn't," or did they say, "Hey, let's do that thing"? Uh, like, what do you think went down with that? It, it was probably a coincidence, but it, it'd
1: be really funny, or or maybe not. Maybe if they'd asked uh, Steve, "How so? Like, uh, we have a guitarist, but do you want to be the guy and the owner of Lonely Heart Music who like goes
0: through all this weird shit?" That's funny, Steve. By the way, is Captain Coincidence like it's a coincidence that Ram is named Ram? It's coincidence. That it's a coincidence also that Steve Howe wrote his own autobiography. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but Breakaway from It All has like the most uh, location stuff. Like, there's a farm, but there's also like some visual effects, like these lights, and it's like kind of trippy. You can look um, it up
0: on YouTube. Steve will put it in the comments. Actually, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, and um, I'll yeah I'll search for it now. But yeah, and for the song beginnings, you know, it's Steve and Patrick in a room. There are candles, and it looks really nice. And, yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, and j- just the footage like looks very crisp. The way they've uh they have it like this was um bits of it were featured on the old Gray Whistle test back in seventy five, and then uh the full thing was put in the Yes songs. DVD or Blu-ray or whatever it was. And They're I remember like...
0: seeing it on MTV back when MTV played music. Oh, really? Yeah. And Patrick's playing harpsichord. Yeah. And he, and they also played Ram on MTV, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would love to um, – what's the song – Oh well, for that matter, I'd love to see a video's of doors of sleep, not a storytelling video, but a video of them playing it. I think would be great. I just I really like that song.
1: Yeah, and Steve's brother Philip worked on like some of this. You know, he's he he's done film and television yeah. stuff. So, yeah, really cool. Um, yeah, I, so I posted the link to that in the comments
0: and. Yeah. You want to talk about the cover?
1: Yeah, so the cover is by some obscure person named Roger Dean. Uh, <laughs> not sure where he dug him up. Um, he, he, <laughs> he actually has a comment uh, in his uh, biography. He says, Roger Dean created a lovely sleeve combining a photo of me and my guitars. Um, I took an early selfie of Jan, Dylan, and myself, which was superimposed in the foreground of another photo I took of a Devon Hedgerow this stretches across the central gatefold sleeve. Um, so yeah, it's, it, and up until Tony K released his soul album last year, this was the only one of those like first soul albums since joining. Yes. That had Roger Dean art on it. You know, we've right. talked about how Elias of Sun Hillow almost got Roger Dean, but yeah, for a while, this was like the only one.
0: Also he's done work for Rick Wakeman. But that yeah. doesn't count because we're talking about first solo albums since joining Yes. Ah, you mentioned Elias of Sunhalo. Just real quick, that reminded me of when I was talking about using the members from the band. If I remember right, there's no one from Yes on Elias of Sun Halo, correct?
1: Right, yeah.
0: Yeah. John just went completely the other way, <laughs> <laughs> which, I, yeah. you know, that's what I would expect. But th- I love this. This is, when this came out... It might have been my favorite Roger Dean cover, actually. I'm oh, thinking, wow. Yeah. I'm thinking like Yes Songs. Yes Songs almost doesn't count because there's like eight covers in that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's more than a gatefold. What would you call that? It's like the front gate, the back gate, and the side gate.
1: Yeah, the um, gates of delirium, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and I do love the Relayer cover, but I really like this. It's a perfect example of how. Roger was doing a lot of work back then. If you get his uh, book Views, he was blending um, organic with architecture. And this is a perfect example of that. And I love that uh, Steve is in there. I forgot what this instrument here is called. But if I remember right, that's called a Valchalia. Okay. And it's got strings. So it's got like a regular guitar neck and extra strings there than the less whoops, Les Paul Martin ES 175. I forgot what this thing's called. It's uh, mm. like square with the pointed like bat ears where the cutaways would be. I don't remember if someone knows or just wants to make up a fucking name, go ahead and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> we won't know the difference. <laughs>
1: yeah, what do you think it, of the
0: cover? How does it rank for you? It's a nice cover,
1: but. It might not rank as highly as others for me. Really? And Well, up um, to that
0: point, though? Because I'm judging, like, up to that point. It's it's my first or second favorite.
1: Okay. Um, it's definitely better than the close-to-the-edge front cover. But um,
0: close-to-the-edge is a whole different thing. There's a surprise, <laughs> yeah, which yeah, I love. Yeah, I
1: know, but it's the joke, the, the green. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, and it's actually not <laughs> – the inside of the gatefold of that, it does really not have a lot of detail, but there's the whole song right there in that, except for in who I lays, except for that part, the whole song is in the gatefold. Um, right. and, uh, fragile as iconic as that is kind of looks archaic compared to everything that came after it, I think.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Cause it's not as close up and detailed. Um, But while we're on it, I'll just bring up real quick. So Roger Dean uh, in his live painting sessions, apparently the one he's working on right now is like within the same area as the Close to the Edge painting, like that same world. And he Mm -hmm. says he mentioned something about a box set um, in late, like late this year. So May... So probably uh, yes. 50th anniversary box. Yeah. Like okay. close to the edge.
0: Yeah. Cause that's right. Cause you asked him right during the live, if that was,
1: um, no, someone related. else asked him, but I asked him about the drama cover and whether,
0: oh, you know, the birds and the cat.
1: Yeah. Cause we've been reading yes in the 1980s. And, uh, there's a speculation of whether the Panthers and the birds represent the band members. And when, uh, that question was read to him, he said, there has been speculation and then uh, he just decides he's going to leave people hanging. So, <laughs> Oh,
0: wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Cheeky. So I don't know if that confirms it or if he's just having fun, loves to leave people hanging, you know, yeah. sense of humor. But anyway, um, as for this cover, I guess I do like it more than the fragile cover. Um, I do. So with relayer, all the gray works really well for that the tone of that album. But I yeah. do like more colors. So I guess this does have a little bit more of an edge on that. But I'm talking in terms of the actual illustrations. So like the weird thing for me is that I I kinda don't like that it mixes the Roger Dean illustration with a photo of a person. Um, like you, it kind of, you
0: mean on the gate? Oh, Oh, you mean on the front? That, yeah. On the front. Yeah.
1: Really? You know, I think Howell. that's neat. Well, like I get that it's to show like whose album this to, is, to but me, it,
0: it brings all this to life, but, but go on.
1: But I guess maybe I'm just weird. It's kind of like me with, um, kind of what I think about puppet movies is I feel like puppet movies would be more immersive if there are no like live action humans. Like, if they're live-action humans, you know, it could still be a good movie or show or whatever, but I feel like it kind of What's dispels an
0: example so, so people can understand what you're talking
1: about? Um. Well, I guess David Bowie works fine for Labyrinth, but with The Dark Crystal, I really love how there are no live-action humans oh, gotcha. at all. Like, I, I have a friend who... Felt the opposite, like th- thought it was creepy that there were no humans at all. But for me, it just immerses me in yeah. that world. Um,
0: I agree. So, so I see what you mean. It kind of it's almost like breaking the fifth wall or something, right? Like, <laughs> like to bring two yeah. dimensions or worlds together,
1: right? Yeah, but it, it's not a bad cover. I like it. It's just you know, it's the weird thing of like the mixed media aspect of it. I guess mm-hmm. like it's not what I'm used to,
0: right? Cool. Um, How might working with Yes have influenced this album, do you think? Now, we know Steve, of course, influenced Yes, but we always like to sort of ponder this question when it's someone's first solo album after they've been working with Yes, how much did working with Yes influence the album? And what what are your thoughts on that?
1: Right, we've touched on the people he got on the album who, you know, he knows from Yes. Um, Yeah, I feel like with this album, it might be another case of, you know, there are some instances where it feels very proggy, uh, you know, the different changes and directions, and that's very much stuff he experimented with within Yes, but there are also parts that feel very outside of yes, like not typically what I would think of when Much it comes more to
0: folksy and the symphonic stuff.
1: Yeah. So the members at the time, they wanted a break between touring, which gave them a chance to each try something sort of different, you know, get certain things out of their system. And so I guess that motivation was kind of behind that, you know, he's with yes for five years at this point. Mm-hmm. And prior to this, he did a like a show with a guitarist named John Williams. Not that John Williams, not the movie guy, but a guitarist named John Williams. And he thought it was cool. So I guess maybe that um, was sort of the impetus for like, uh, maybe I could make a solo album. And of course he's had a huge solo career in the decades
0: since then. Has he made the most albums since being in Yes or has Rick? Uh, Definitely Rick. Okay. But Steve's got to be close. He's got so many Albums
1: right, yeah,
0: some I haven't even heard yet. I didn't hear that tribute to Bob Dylan. I haven't heard Homebrew um there's a few others I just haven't heard,
1: yeah, the Homebrew albums are full of they're basically like demos from different periods of his oh. career, um and anthology has some of that too, as well, but yeah, after this album, uh he would go on to make the Steve Howe album in the late seventies. Um, I guess a reference to the Yes album, you know, that weird name. Um, and then it it would be like another decade before he made another solo album, which is Turbulence, uh, featuring um, bits that would end up on the Union album. And then after that's kind of more consistent, like when he would put out a solo album. Right. Um, and yeah, like there's like, again, I'm surprised that the chapter on beginnings is, short in his autobiography and uh but he's had such a long career so i guess it makes sense that he would try to truncate it somehow but it
0: does seem odd being that this is his first solo album ever that he would make that so short you know yeah
1: and and like i was reading bill bruford's uh autobiography before getting to this one and thinking to myself i kind of wish he'd go into well, it was like working on these yes members solo albums, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, uh, not the Steve Howe album, the grand scheme of things um, like a <laughs> big, big picture is probably not that important for bill to mention it. And then I was like, Oh duh. Of course, Steve Howe would mention it and would talk more about the album in his bio about his own album. So yeah. Well, guess um, what?
0: Chicken butt. fried in grease. <laughs> no, but go on. A- We're having Bill on our show, April thirteenth. So, Steve, you can ask him about that. Yeah, yeah. Bill. Yeah, I suppose I could. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Buford's going to be on both our channels, yes, Shift and Drum Talk TV, simultaneously, April thirteenth at eleven a.m. Pacific, one p.m., two p.m. Eastern, and that's seven p.m. UK time and we're going to be advertising the heck out of it. we got a bunch of posts already scheduled on the drum talk TV Facebook page. Steve will program the same ones on yes Ship. but we're going to have bill on live and we'll relay some questions. No dumb questions, please. It's Bill Bruford. Okay. <laughs> it's Bill Bruford.
1: Right. So I don't know if you answered, um, your side of the question of how yes might've influenced oh, it. Um, I, but...
0: I didn't. Um, so I think, I believe one of the biggest ways is that's where Steve, I think, really cut his vocal chops as a harmonizer within, yes, you know, between John and Chris. So that's definitely there. And like I said earlier, to hear that kind of extracted on on its own is really interesting to me. Um, and I hear, I hear reminiscence of certain sounds that he's using, um, like, forgive me, I can't remember the exact titles, but there's one song where he's doing some high-end guitar stuff and it's clearly, I believe, going through a Leslie Doppler speaker or it just has a quick vibrato on it. Um, And then there's a lot of stuff on the slide and the lap steel where, oh, that's that sound from NU and I. It's like the same sound and the end of... um, Uh, soon and stuff like that like there's these flashes of sounds from yes but then of course of of course he brought them to yes but does that make sense i know it's a chicken or the egg thing but not really (laughs) because he was in yes first but i'm i'm sure it probably influenced him on songwriting structure and things like that because for all we know he didn't do a lot of that uh before yes with the other bands with tomorrow and Bodas. I I don't know. I'm just kind of guessing that even if he had that having that role with Yes had something to do with it. And also having worked with Eddie Offer.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And having worked with Eddie Offered and learning more about production and stuff too.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, Johnny Valles or Valles, that's two L's, uh, says, peace, love, and chicken grease. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um so how yes would you say this album is
0: Not a lot actually having said what I just said. I think <laughs> I think only 12.3% <laughs> I I think it's mostly even though Alan's on it, even though Bill is on it, I think it's very and Patrick and Patrick, of course. It's very Steve Howe. Um and it's not like Patrick playing exactly how we did in Yes or on Chris Squire's album, Fish Out of Water. So I, I don't hear nearly as much yes as um maybe on a couple other things, like a couple of Rick's albums or something.
1: Yeah, maybe I'd go like twenty five percent at
0: best. It's that much? Yeah,
1: much. yeah, I think so. Um Like, again, there are just some moments that feel adventurous in the way that Yes is, but there are other moments that feel adventurous in the way that only Steve Howe could do, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and a big thing that sets it apart is Steve singing lead vocals because we hadn't heard right. that yeah. with Yes up to that point.
1: Yeah, like if this were instrumental, do you think that would have... Made it sound closer to yes or less like yes?
0: That's a great question. Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. (laughs) I'm trying to imagine. I'm thinking some of the music through. No, I still feel that it has a very earthy, folksy element to it that we only catch glimpses of with yes, you know. That break in and you and I, that's totally Steve Howe. You know?
1: Yeah. The whole
0: first half of my favorite Yes Song, All Good People. That's, (laughs) you know, that um, Wondrous Stories is heavy Steve, in my opinion. Turn of the Century is heavy Steve. And I hear those elements. In these songs, like you can really feel his input on stuff that came later as well, having heard this. And a lot of it, I like I said, the best way to describe it for me is that earthy, folksy element. And, you know, he was really into um, American Western music as well. And he was into West Montgomery and jazz and stuff. So a lot of these different things come through. I mean, he plays washboard and banjo in a song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> The only other extremely popular rock guitarists I've known to do that, Sand's washboard, is Jimmy Page playing banjo on Gallo's pole. And those are my two favorite guitarists, Steve and Jimmy Page. So it's interesting. You know, those are two guys other than maybe Paul McCartney who could pretty much pick up any stringed instrument and play it. You know, without... Right. Yeah. So that that's my take.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely... Moments on the album where I can't really imagine what John and Chris might have sung on it. Like it feels separate. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, um, let's let's play a bit of a video and this okay. will be a little clunky folks for me to um mix into the, the video because and I'm looking over to where I'm going to I need to drag it over. Uh, so bear with me. And here we go. This is Steve Howe. Um, and you I'm going to play an excerpt of it. You can check the whole thing out. This is from October 29th, 2007 from a YouTube channel. I'm going to spell it. It's D O K I D O K one word. Dock a dock maybe, but let's, uh, let's put this up. I'm just going to drag it up here. You're going to see some commercial stuff in the way, but, uh, let's try this. There we go. All right. Here's Steve Howe. This is really cool. Check this out, folks. It's going to start in a moment. It's refreshing. Bear with us. Someone that knows what they're doing will be right with you. <laughs> wow. Why is it freezing now? <laughs> i'm gonna refresh it
1: yeah in the meantime um regarding his autobiography i think it would be funny if he (coughs) releases another one called all my tomorrows so like instead of all my yesterdays it'd be like his time in the band tomorrow before he was in yes
0: right sorry about the stupid ads folks here we go think about uh... Goodness, this is clunky. Sorry, it's going to play in just a moment here, I promise. <laughs> you know what, Steve? Why don't you just drop the link in there? Okay, yeah. Sorry, folks. That, right. was, that was not cool.
1: <laughs> right, but... Yeah, it's a pretty good read so far. It actually begins with the, you know, Steve recounting the awkwardness of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Oh,
0: really? Can you cite some of that, please? Uh,
1: Yeah, well, he basically talks about how both camps, you know, Yes and ARW were trying to interact with each other the least amount as possible and, you know, how... Steve also mentions the speeches weren't handled very well, you know, because of what happened with Rick and, you know, we, we've had mixed feelings about how that went down. It could have been handled much better. Yeah. Um, despite the performances being pretty good. Um, but yeah, he, he talks about how he really wanted to put pay tribute to Chris by playing on Only Heart the way he put it on the track. Um So, yeah, I guess he began – and that was actually five years ago yesterday, weirdly enough. That's
0: right. Yeah. Another coincidence.
1: Yeah, it's bizarre, like, how quickly time passed. Um, And, yeah, and also, like, the weekend of your birthday, like, either the first or the second marked, like, 10 years that John Davison was in the band. Really? Yeah. Wow. Crazy how fast time passes.
0: He's been in the band for about a fifth of their lifespan. Wow. Yeah. Um, er That's wild. Where does time go? Yeah.
1: Earlier I shared on our Facebook page, a video of them playing Leaves of Green a few years back. So
0: I would like to know who decided to invite Geddy Lee for that. I've never heard that. Was that Steve's idea? Was it, do you have any idea?
1: I'm not sure whose idea it was. I always assumed that, like, the people in charge at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame probably thought Rush are Yes fans. Let's get Getty and Alex or something. I-, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is something that the musicians lobby for. Like, oh, if you ever get these people inducted, I want to do
0: speech for them. But whatever. I mean, Getty playing with them. Oh,
1: yeah. It's yeah, it's not really mentioned, but... um. Yeah, I, I, I'm I guessing, like, I don't know whose idea it was to get Getty specifically, but, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, people, like, I, I don't know if I really want to get into this, you know, the whole okay. thing of who should have been playing bass or whatever,
0: but, you know. Oh, well, who else should have been? Billy?
1: Oh, well, I mean, Billy seems like the obvious choice, but. Yeah. Yeah. We know but that Getty anyway. and
0: Alex are huge Yes fans. They were huge influences on on Rush, and Jimmy Page and Steve Howe were Alex's biggest influences. They're there. They happen to be there. Maybe who who knows? I don't know.
1: Yeah, but in, in any case, like their speeches, like a Getty and Alex were pretty good. Yeah. Um, So do you have like anything else to say about beginnings before we sort of close off? It was
0: very refreshing to listen to it again. Um, I'm going to keep it up on my laptop and play it over the next few days. I encourage everybody to get it. Don't just listen to it on YouTube, get it, get the, it might be back out on vinyl or you can find the vinyl uh, or get the CD. It's really a great album. I'm wondering if the, newer cd might have additional tracks we don't know about
1: yeah i don't think it does but but again like steve has a lot of demos and stuff on you know homebrew and anthology that it probably has like bonus stuff for that time period yeah i would imagine
0: it's it really is a great album all around yeah. If you're a Steve Howe fan, I mean, if you're into Slayer and Metallica, I don't know. I don't know if you'll <laughs> like it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tr- Trevor Rabin's beginnings might be more your speed if you're into that. <laughs>
0: oh, gosh. Well, folks, thanks for following what we do. Um, not only Bill Bruford on the 13th, but is it the 21st, Steve? or having the two authors of Yes in the 80s?
1: Yeah, Stephen Lamb and contributor David Watkinson. Uh, yeah, we're going to have them on on the 21st. And maybe in between we'll even review Bill's autobiography and as well as a review of yes. He wrote it himself.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Thanks everybody so much for following what we do. You can uh, follow us. Now we're blasting these out to both channels, drum talk TV and yes, shift the mothership for this podcast video vlog on yes shift on Facebook or if you're into podcast just the audio version explore our fifty whatever episodes even though this is episode <laughs> thirty seven we have news desk reports archived as well. If you're into audio only it's anchor.fm slash yes shift and I guess you can write us too if it's yeah. about yes shift. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you can email us at yesshiftpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, And yeah, it's a very good time. Like We love talking about Yes and all this stuff tendentially related to Yes.
0: Yeah, let us know if you have suggestions for episodes, if you want to comment on something you heard. Um, We've been corrected before. Uh, but anything Drum Talk TV related, if you're seeing this on Trump Talk TV, go to drumtalktv.com. And on the upper right, there's a few different choices depending on what you want to uh, send in. So thanks, everybody, so much. And uh, yeah, keep their wonderful music alive.